Christine Bentley in studio with Kate Wheeler, and you're listening to a best of episode of what she said right here on 1059 The Region. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It sounds so weird to say Happy New Year when it's actually not the New Year yet, but it is out there. <laughs> this is playing. You know, you know the, the routine out yeah. there, listeners. So Happy New Year to you. We're kicking off today's show with Kyla Fox, the founder of the Kyla Fox Center, an eating disorder recovery facility in Toronto. She recently launched a women's wellness program at her center and talks to us about how women juggle it all, the trend of adrenal fatigue happening, and tips to avoid burnout. According to the fourth annual Women in the Workplace survey, U.S. companies have made Almost no progress improving women's representation at any level since the study was first conducted back in 2015. So we speak with Betty Ann Heggie. She's a trailblazing Canadian businesswoman who just wrote a book called Gender Physics about rejecting traditional gender roles to achieve personal and professional success by balancing masculine energy and feminine energy. We all have a bit of both. Yeah. Film critic Ann Brody chats with actor Simon Pegg about working on Mission Impossible Fallout with Tom Cruise. And I go one-on-one with Juno award-winning singer-songwriter Simone Denny. Please tell me you're not singing. No. (laughs) No. I would never insult her like that. (laughs) Closing out the show in our live studio sessions, we have Toronto singer-songwriter and our former intern Jenna Bennett with her latest single, Priceless. Don't you love it? I know. Don't you just love it when (laughs) the young ones do so well? I know. It's great. Anyway, she's a doll. Be sure to follow us on social media at What She Said Talk. What She Said will be back January 12th with brand new episodes. You can find out who's on, enter contests, watch videos, and connect with us on whatshesaidtalk.com. Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. To contact the show, go to whatshesaidtalk.com. Meridian's three-year escalator GIC can help you save for a bucket list trip. In the first year, earn 2% interest. In the second, 3%. In the third, 4%. Those escalating savings could be the difference between this trip and this trip. Visit a branch or meridiancu.ca today to get started. Meridian, saving for a better life while living your best life. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. This is 105.9 The Region. What she said. She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. The stress of modern life can take a toll on the health of women, especially with so much societal pressure for women to do it all. Joining us now to talk self-care is Kyla Fox, an eating disorder survivor and specialist and the founder of the Kyla Fox Centre, an eating disorder recovery centre in Toronto. So welcome back to what she said. Thank you so much for having me back. Why do you think that there is still so much societal pressure for women to do it all? Well, 
I think it's because now we can or, or now we're allowed to maybe. And so the ability to have to fill all of those roles, I think, can be unbelievably overwhelming. And I could even speak for myself personally, mm-hmm. you know, working, being a mom of two little kids and just feeling like there is no time for me. There's no time to even make it through the day. Sometimes I sort of come down at the end of the day after my kids are in bed and I look at my partner and I'm like, did we did we make it through? Like I take a deep breath and I can't even actually believe it happened and I can't even recall what happened in the day. I feel like for women, there's so much on our plates and it's very, very hard to find space for ourselves. Now, you're not really comparing women to men though, right? You're just saying for not women. Necessarily. No, because no, no, not necessarily. Because it's for all of us, isn't it? A little bit? I think bit? so. I think so. I, I think Maybe it is so for all of for us. Men, but. It, well, I think it's probably different, yeah. um, and I wouldn't know that myself, but I, I certainly hear about it. And I think I think for women, um, there's there's a lot of pressure um, in in doing it all. And I think I think we value doing it all. I think we sort of have this martyr syndrome, this like want to, we want to be heroes, and and I think that's a, a lot to take on. Well, one of the things that we've been hearing more about um, is the stress hormone cortisol, mm-hmm. and you're talking about how um, adrenal fatigue uh, plays into our busy lifestyle, and is that connected to cortisol? Well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not a doctor, so I couldn't talk mm-hmm. about it in that way, but I can talk about it again personally in that for me, what has come out, what, what, what resulted for me was just an unbelievable amount of, of adrenal fatigue as a result of really low cortisol levels, just really burning the candle at both ends, feeling exhausted. And when I'm exhausted, I'm depressed. I feel unmotivated. I feel sad. And as I started to have these kinds of conversations obviously with clients that come into the center, but certainly with other women that I know personally, it didn't seem as though I was alone in my experience. What I was finding was that people everywhere were experiencing this really zapped out energy, mood, uh, low mood, and 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 just this quality of um, apathy, really. So explain to me a little bit about adrenal fatigue, because I've not heard it in those terms before. How would I know that I had adrenal fatigue and what could I do about it? Well, if you had it, you would you would probably feel some of the things that I just mentioned, Mm -hmm. which was um, tired, um, depressed, depressed, sad, low mood, um, lack of uh, motivation. Um, and I also think um, just getting regularly checked, which is something that I think comes comes to the forefront for women in terms of self-care, the inability to want to take care of yourself and make yourself a priority. So I think what ends up happening for a lot of women is is um, putting putting their need to ch- to get checked out at the at the back of the table too. So so by the time things kind of come to fruition, they have perhaps you know superseded where they needed to be because. You know, people do what they need to do for themselves last. Well, it's funny because I was just thinking I, I've been putting off having a physical forever mm. um, for the very reason. But is there a test for that? Because my doctor's never spoken to me about adrenal anything. Um, I think there are a lot of blood tests that yeah, can okay. that can do right. that work. I think there are things that you need to ask for. Do you and think- I think you can do it through different professionals. Yes. I mean, at the in, in you know at the Kyla Fox Center, we have an eating disorder recovery program, and then we also have a woman's wellness program. And you can seek out 
um, a medical lens to do that, so maybe through a nurse or a doctor. But you can also get support for adrenal fatigue through a naturopathic doctor yeah. or doing other kinds of things. Do you think that maybe women don't are are so sort of set up to feel that way that they don't mention it to the healthcare professionals that they come in contact with? Oh, by the way, I'm feeling really down and I'm feeling you know, burnt out and I'm stressed and I'm not sleeping, that that they should be bringing this to the forefront. This is not a nothing thing. I, I think that's a really important point. I think they should be bringing it. But I also think that when people do bring it, it maybe isn't received in the way it needs to be mm-hmm. as well. It sounds like complaining. Like it's normalized or it's, of course, you're tired. You have so much going on and that's really normal and you're not the only one that feels that way. And I think that's important because we certainly need to be supported. But it doesn't necessarily mean that the way you feel should be normal or is normal or that it can't change. Well, tell us a little bit about the Women's Wellness Program that you've launched. So the Women's Wellness Program was really just an opportunity for me to bring women together, whether collectively or individual or individually, in a space where they can seek out the kinds of supports that they would maybe want for self-care and self-betterment and self-improvement um, in a whole array of of, of expertise. So whether that's seeing a therapist for individual work or couples work or families work, um, whether that's seeing a nutritionist for meal planning or cooking or just, you know, trying to support yourself through the week and, and meal planning. Um, sometimes people want to see a naturopathic doctor for acupuncture, uh, meditation, mindfulness. And, and you then, can get all these things through the Carla yeah, Fox Center, through exactly. this new program. Yeah, exactly. What I was finding with the eating disorder program is that people who no longer felt like they had eating disorders or those who never classified as having eating disorders really wanted to engage in the services, but they didn't want to come into the center because they don't have eating disorders. And so I thought, why don't we offer these services to all women, um, eating disorders or otherwise, um, in a space where it's women-oriented and women-connected? Do you have any tips for avoiding burnout? Oh, it's such a good question. I, I, mean, I, I'm, I, I think that if you have the tips, you're going to be immortalized. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's one thing to maybe have the tips, but then to apply them, I think, is a different mm-hmm. thing, right? So uh, do I have them? You know what? I, I, I found for me... Um, I used to feel like I was going to be a better mom and a better person in my career if I was constantly present and showing up all the time. And I actually feel what I've learned is to say, no, I'm not going to be there. I need to get a babysitter. I'm actually maybe going to go away for a night. Like those kinds of things used to make me feel like a really bad mom. Mm -hmm. And I've come to realize that they actually make me a much better mom, that taking the space and um, taking the space from work, blocking things off in my schedule and just knowing that it's going to be okay. It's sort of like the Jessica Parker movie where she buys the pie from from the supermarket and then rolls the rolling pin on it so it doesn't look perfect and brings it into the bake sale. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay not to do it all and be... And it's impossible to do everything. it all. It's mm-hmm. impossible. Mm-hmm. All those services that you listed before, everything is, is available through there. How do people connect with you? Good question. Um, through our website, mm-hmm. um, com, or to call. And um, there's a 30-minute free initial consultation. So if there's any curiosity about any of the programs that we offer, people are welcome to come in and just meet with that practitioner so that Mm -hmm. they can get a better sense of what would happen in that work. Are any of your programs covered by any forms of insurance? Insurance, some, some yes, for insurance, yes. So there certainly could be reimbursement in that way. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and tell tell everyone why you believe that self care is so important in this crazy uh, world. Because I think we don't know how to do it, and I guess I can only speak personally. I think it's really important. Um, for so many reasons. I'm, I mean, obviously, just to feel better on the day to day. But I also feel it's really important when, when, when women can come together to mm-hmm. do it. Because then I feel like we're supporting each other. And mm-hmm. I think often we're not positioned to do that. And it's really important to me to bring women together and to have honest and open conversations that allow us to take care of ourselves and each other. It seems to me that the main takeaway is learning how to say no, which is not something I, I was, my child-raising I'm glad years. you brought that up because I'm going to say that. You know, if you ask Christine, she is tireless working for charities and, and doing all kinds of things. But sometimes I say, you know, you need to say no. You mm-hmm. can't book yourself that much every weekend. I think I have your syndrome. Yeah. It's a hard one. It's, it's a hard one to say no. Mm-hmm. It's just to start, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You I, never, I just never know which one to back away from. I guide her now. <laughs> <laughs> See, women supporting women. Connection. This is what I'm talking about. All right. The website is the Kyla Fox Center dot. It's www.kylafoxcenter.com. Dot com. Okay. Dot com. That's excellent. Um, and thank you for doing this and, and for bringing women together to do it. Thank you so much for having me. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect. Meridian's good-to-grow high-interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half-calf, half-sweet, no-foam latte with whip. Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. And accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian, expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. Take the Hill Street Challenge and go alcohol-free for 30 days. Because when you go alcohol-free, good things happen to your body. Better sleep, greater focus, and maybe even... Wow, my bass playing has gotten awesome. Right, honey? Yeah, whatever. Take the Hill Street Challenge and play sexy all night long. Learn more at hillstreetchallenge.com. This is 105.9 The Region. What she said. She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Well, this isn't good. According to the fourth annual Women in the Workplace survey from LeanIn.org and McKinsey & Company, U.S. companies have made almost no progress improving women's representation at any level since the study was first conducted in 2015. Joining us now is Betty Ann Heggie. She's a trailblazing Canadian businesswoman who just wrote a book called Gender Physics, which is timely for several reasons. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Now, gender physics is based on your theory and practice of rejecting traditional gender roles to achieve personal and professional success by balancing masculine and feminine energy. So tell us what that means. 
Basically, we're born, we're labeled pink or blue, and with that, we have a whole lot of expectations that are heaped upon us. We believe that little boys should venture away from their mothers, skin their knees, and so they grow up learning how to take risks. And we teach little girls that they should sit quietly and politely by their mothers and be good listeners, and so they end up being in a support role very often. And that limits the progress of women for both men and women and their expectations. So that could be one of the things that links back to that, to that um, study. But really what I'm advocating is that each and every one of us have the attributes of both the masculine and the feminine inside of us. Our problem is that we have been taught to be one or the other. Suppress part of one for the other. Exactly. So it limits us, and it means that we don't express who we really are. We're really all made up of a myriad of characteristics, and we should be expressing that. Well, how do you do that, though? I mean, at my age, how would I... Although I don't think I suppress too much. <laughs> but, or, and I don't think you do either. But, but I, think, I think many people do. But f- if you've been doing something for 50 years and you've been a certain way, how do you suddenly change that equilibrium? It's a hard thing to do, but we first of all start with awareness. We have to stop and recognize that, oh, okay, this particular action that I'm doing right now is probably because early in my life I was taught that I would be accepted by being a good listener, and maybe I really need to find my voice and speak out because I'm actually agreeing to things in these meetings that I don't feel entirely comfortable with. And so I want to express myself so I'm going to become aware of it, and I'm going to find some ways that I can do that where I feel safe and comfortable doing it. So, I mean, I find in the workplace, let's yes. talk more in the workplace, um, you know, we hear men are authoritative, women are bossy. We women aren't allowed to cry. That means she's weak. Men don't cry. It's like, be, I mean, even that phrase, you know, suck it up and be a man. Exactly. So we teach little boys to be unemotional. And we think that there's two kinds of leaders. We think there's masculine leaders who are independent, self-sufficient, bottom line oriented, ready to take a risk. And then we think that we have women leaders that are nurturing and supportive and good listeners and collaborative and consensual and We've got a multifaceted world out there, and we need to be able to use all those attributes. There's times when we want to be authoritarian, and there's times that we want to be a good collaborator, and we need to choose those times and be willing to unlock that other energy and bring it forth and use it. If we're still talking about the workplace, from an employer's point of view, is there an advantage for the employer for his or her employees to unlock or to to stop that suppression of whatever side? Absolutely. Our real goal in business is to get the ultimate in productivity and efficiency. So that means that we need to hire people who have the right talent and put them in the right jobs and then develop that talent. But when people are suppressing who they really are to try to fit in, we lose productivity and efficiency. Do people, do employers recognize that? Well, unfortunately, they probably aren't because they're not developing those women as we talk about in that initial study. So we need to stop and think about how if we are really acting on the purpose of our organization and trying to move things forward and get the the, the best bottom line and the most out of our employees, we need to encourage everybody to bring their whole selves to work. So how can one then experiment with gender physics in the workplace? Well, I think there's a number of things you can do. For for example, if you're a woman and you've always spent a lot of time with women, try just spending some time with men. You're going to find they're 
more action-oriented. They're going to want to just move the ball forward as opposed to stop and See, think about that's people's me. feelings. <laughs> that's me. I'm like, I just want to get it done. I find it easier to deal with men um, in general in business because there's not, not so many meetings, not so many discussions, not so many things, you know, to get on. I just, I, I'm very blunt. I've been criticized for being too blunt, but I don't, it's a time waster for me that I just like... Just cut to the point. So that's my masculine energy. Exactly. And so what I say is that all of us have a go-to energy. It's either masculine or feminine, and it's not determined by our biological gender. So you're probably a masculine energy woman, and so am I. Mm-hmm. And you know, I used to joke, I had a C- our CFO in our company, his undergraduate degree was in biology, and he used to say, you know, Betty Ann, how men have the, women have the XX chromosome and men have the XY the bottom half of your last X has fallen off and it's looking an awful lot like a Y. (laughs) So it's too, and so, and there's a lot of men who have their primary energy would be feminine, but we all try to hide that a little bit in order to fit in. And that that pushback that you get when people say you're being too bossy, Mm -hmm. whereas they would just say that a man is being directive and getting the job done, that's our subconscious bias that says women should be a certain way and men should be a, a different way. And then as women or men, we tend to adopt those attributes that we think we're supposed to have to try to fit in. Well, what about there are women who run uh, Fortune 500 companies or who have started companies, and obviously they do not fit in to this role. What I would say, the research would show that these women do adopt the attributes of the masculine because in our society right now, we have this belief that the attributes of the masculine are interchangeable with the attributes of leadership. So we believe that leaders are... Um, going to have get male characteristics. Exactly. And so then women have to exhibit those characteristics. However, we also have this belief that women have to be nurturing and supportive and good listeners. Mm-hmm. So if you're a woman who wants to be considered a leader, you have to exhibit masculine characteristics, but then you have to cloak them with a lot of feminine characteristics to be liked and accepted. So tell us a little bit about the book. Who who do you think should read Gender Physics? Well, I wrote wrote the book initially for women because my really goal was to try to help women get to the decision-making table. Mm -hmm. And a young man who's, I consider to be very forth, um, future-thinking, future-oriented, a friend of my daughter's, took me out for dinner and sat me down and said, Betty Ann, this book needs to be for men as well. We're not happy with the masculine model that we have been told to live with. And He really made me think. So I went back in thinking Mm -hmm. I was nearly finished the book, and I spent another year studying masculinity and coming up with examples. So every time I have an example for a woman, I have an example for a man. Wow. And I've had a lot of positive feedback from men on the book saying, I'm really pleased that this book was written for men and women, and I've really gotten a lot out of it. It's interesting because I remember my my husband, John, when I was working, um, doing the news on weekends, he'd look after the, the children. But, you know, people would come up saying, oh, isn't that nice? You're babysitting. It's like, you know, he's babysitting. But no, he'd say, no, I'm parenting. They're my mm-hmm. children. Right. I'm mm-hmm. not babysitting. It's it's my job. But I mean, I think we do have so many preconceived notions. And that's what happens to us. We have these preconceived notions and we put people in those boxes. And that prevents them from expressing who they really are and being able to use all the an- a- actions and attributes available. So what happens when you unlock the energy you never knew you had? Well, you become more balanced. Okay. And one of the problems that we have is if we are a man or a woman and we're used to using the attributes of our gender, 
that's our goal. When we get under stress or pressure and we want to, mm-hmm. or really attached to an outcome, we'll go back to those attributes and then we'll dial them up to the extreme. And my mother used to have a saying that too much of a good thing is a bad thing. And so then those strengths become weaknesses. And then mm-hmm. we watch people dial it up out of control. And we've seen a lot of it. You know, we're talking a lot these days about toxic masculinity, and that's really masculinity out of balance, which is not including the feminine. So how can you experiment with this in the workplace? Well, I have a whole bunch of exercises in my book. So, for example, if you're someone who, if you're a woman and you tend to be in feminine energy, which means you tend to always uh, acquiesce, acquiesce or tend to turn to your emotions like, um, I don't like that restaurant. It, I just didn't feel good there because you're going to your emotions. You're judging mm-hmm. things by your emotion. A masculine approach would be the restaurant was overcrowded. They didn't bring my food on time. The food, the cost was too high. They would So then yeah. I would say, okay, if you tend to be someone who works with your feelings all the time, spend a day and try to just speak in facts. All right, so you are going to be hosting a Twitter party on gender physics on uh, December 13th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. All the details are on your Facebook page. That is at Betty Ann Heggie. And where can people get your book? My book is available from Amazon right now. Absolutely fantastic. So thank you so much for joining us today. And I'm going to, you know, unlock my energy. (laughs) Watch out. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Take the Hill Street Challenge and go alcohol-free for 30 days. Because when you go alcohol-free, good things happen to your body. Better sleep, greater focus, and maybe even... Wow, my bass playing has gotten awesome. Right, honey? Yeah, whatever. Take the Hill Street Challenge and play sexy all night long. Learn more at hillstreetchallenge.com. Meridian's three-year escalator GIC can help you save for a bucket list trip. In the first year, earn 2% interest. In the second, 3%. In the third, 4%. Those escalating savings could be the difference between this trip and this trip. Visit a branch or meridiancu.ca today to get started. Meridian, saving for a better life while living your best life. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. This is 105.9 The Region. What she She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Tom Cruise is back as Ethan Hunt this weekend in Mission Impossible Fallout. Our film critic Ann Brody caught up with the man who keeps Ethan well-equipped through it all, none other than Simon Pegg, who plays Benji Dunn. Take a listen. Simon, does doing this kind of work, does it uh, sort of increase your awareness of geopolitics? Um, I suppose so. Um, you know the, the the kind of things that we're dealing with these in these movies are always a, a, a faint reflection of, of of the truth and reality and fears that we are perhaps sitting on as as people and populations. So it's uh, it's interesting. These films are kind of set in the real world, which not many blockbusters are. So yeah, there's a degree of that. 
Does it frighten you to think that all of this black stuff is going on? Yeah, I mean, you know, you'd hope it's not quite as dire as it is in, in these films, you know. But the, the idea of sort of man-portable nuclear devices is something that we're all a little bit thinking about these days. And um, this just simply puts that up on the screen and, and makes it terrifying. In a very entertaining way. I have to tell you, the third act, I nearly passed out. <laughs> a lot of people are saying that they hold their breath for 20 minutes. <laughs> It's incredible, the action, the movement, the cutting, the fact that that's Tom there. You yeah. can see quite clearly that it's Flying Tom. Flying the helicopter, yeah. Just unreal. Yeah. So what was the hardest thing that you had to do? Um, I mean, it was there were daily challenges on this. The underwater stuff was challenging just yeah. because um, I was, you couldn't see that it was me. So a part of me was thinking, I don't have to do this. This could be a stunt pan. But I, you know, that's not the way we do things on Mission Impossible. Um, Driving the speedboat was fun, but it was a fun challenge, you know. I think the hours, we worked long hours. It was a year shoot, so, um, you know, including Tom's hiatus yes. for his ankle, which was nowhere near as long as it should have been. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just, just getting in there for the long haul and, and, and staying positive and staying enthusiastic. It's not difficult right. because, you know, Tom engenders that. I love working with Chris McQuarrie. But um, it's a, it was a long old shoot. And it's, it's such a, a gripping story. You want to tell it. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Also, I wonder if you ever had the feeling that, you know, it, it was sort of beyond reality. And yeah. what do you do with that? I think, you know, the thing is about these films, this is a pure entertainment film. It, it is ultimately, although it takes place in the real world, not on a different planet and a, and a, and a world of, of real superheroes, it's, um, it's still very heightened. It's a heightened reality. Right. And we embrace that. You know, Mission Impossible was always about rubber masks that look, you know, absolutely real and these gadgets. And, you know, there's a great sort of uh, far-fetched kind of basis to all this. But I think what we've done really well with these movies is own that, not make fun of it, not sort of look back and think, oh, how was in the 60s hilarious because of all this kind of, you know, heightened TV reality. TV series, right. Yeah. It's more like, no, this is our universe. This is where we play. This is our sandbox. And, and that's what Mission Impossible is. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a popcorn movie, which is for adults. Uh, and uh, The know. thinking man's popcorn film. I think so, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's pure entertainment. And my daughter watched it, who's nine, and she loved it. But it is, it's more sort of, I don't know, it's a more mature kind of fantasy mm -hmm, idea than mm -hmm. Absolutely. other stuff. A uh, final question. When you have to gear yourselves up for all these incredibly intense scenes, how do you keep that blood boiling? It's not difficult standing next to that guy. Yeah, you know? wow. I mean, he kind of is a blood boiler. That's what I call him, the blood boiler. Uh, he, he always engenders a sense of adventure in all of us. Yeah, you know, we all, commitment. Yeah, we all, and, and he, he, because he leads from the head down, you know, you're always... Um, you always feel like you want to just stay with it and stay up to that level of, uh, of, of commitment that he has because it's 100% all times in all facets of his life and it's quite, uh, it's quite amazing to behold sometimes. So if you did anything less, you'd feel like you weren't pulling your weight. Right. Well, you great, great result. Great weight pulling. <laughs> great weight pulling. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. This is 105.9 The Region. Take the Hill Street Challenge and go alcohol-free for 30 days. Because when you go alcohol-free, good things happen to your body. Better sleep, less tired, greater focus. There is one downside, however. Oops. Higher furniture costs. Take the Hill Street Challenge and see what you can break. Learn more at hillstreetchallenge.com. Cheers to a better you. 
Now back to what she said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Joining us now for our continuing one-on-one special interviews is the iconic Simone Denny, who I am so blessed to call my friend. Welcome. Thank you. I'm blessed to have you as a friend. Now, let me just say, if this were another country and Simone were a different person, this interview would likely not be happening because there would be so many layers of managers <laughs> who would keep her away. We would have to book the interview six years down the road. Oh, gosh. I don't know if it's that bad. <laughs> you wouldn't be allowed to talk to me. Eh, I would always have room yeah. for you. Always make room for you. Always. Now, you are a legend. And humor me just for a moment. Okay. For those people who do not know... Uh, even though they've just heard your pipes, which are amazing. Thank you. Um, Simone Denny is a Toronto-based soul, electronic, and R&B singer. Simone was formerly from the platinum-selling group Love, Inc. Simone has multiple Billboard chart-topping dance hits, numerous worldwide number one singles, five Juno Awards, Simone's album, The Stereo Dynamite Sessions Volume 1, is expected to come out this fall? Well, don't we have that one out? We're about to get ready to start to do another album in the fall. So this is Volume 2 It'll in be the Volume fall? 2. Volume 2, <laughs> excuse me. And Simone was awarded a SoCan Music Songwriters Award for Love, Inc.'s What Do You Love? and had the opportunity to tour extensively through Canada and Europe. So let's start at the beginning of the story. Okay. When did you find your voice as a young girl and your larger-than-life persona, literally? Thank you. Um, you know what? Music found me. It was it was totally accidental, to be quite honest. Um, raised, you know, went to Catholic school, uh, joined the choir for school, you know, and they had a, a talent show. And I had been learning guitar lessons because my parents wanted me to be rounded. So, you know, not just, you know, French. It was French, music, everything. And I was singing uh, You Needed Me by Anne Murray in the living room. And my mom walked by and my cousin was there and she's like, oh, Audrey, you sound great. And I was like, that wasn't Audrey. That was me. And she's like, really? She said, why don't you do that for the talent show? Because I had, wasn't sure what to, to mm-hmm. do. And uh, I went up and I sang it and I got a standing ovation. And I was like, okay. You know, so and that, how, Do that, you remember how you felt? I, I remember being really surprised. I do remember looking into the audience and seeing my mom's glasses shining and tears flowing down her face. Because I don't think she'd ever heard me in that it was the first time literally that I performed on my own so one of the teachers accompanied me on piano and it was just a really memorable moment and there's still friends who went to school with me at that time who are like I remember that you know so it's that was the moment how that old was were it. you wow I must have been grade three eight nine somewhere around there so but did you remember having stage fright or do you remember just stepping into your skin and saying I didn't give it a Bring second it thought. You didn't give it a second, second thought. thought. I was just like, okay, these are all my friends in the audience and their parents. So for me, there was nothing to, to be afraid of. Um, being an only child at the time, I love attention. Yep. And so uh, going up there, you know, and, and singing and people actually enjoying what I did was was a wonderful thing. And when I walked off, I was like, 
I, I want to sing. And that then that's it. what you did from then on? That was it. I went back and did a talent show the next year, same school, got an, uh, another standing ovation. And then after that, I uh, went on to high school and just started to be involved in every aspect of the high school community that would put me in front of an audience. So I was uh, vice president of my student council, um, represented the school on different events. Eventually, we had a talent show, sang there, you know, mm -hmm. so... Anything I could do to be in front of an audience, I was I was happy. I enjoyed it. Like just representing the school or literally just being in front of an audience. It was great. Who were your idols then? Your music idols? Wow. A lot of different idols. Uh, growing up in Canada affords you the opportunity to be exposed to so much. Um, so born and raised with Guyanese immigrants. Um, mm -hmm. So reggae and soca music yes but my mom grew up in england for about 10 years so i also heard shirley bassey the beatles all that was in the house as well um and then being a canadian kid here uh we I grew up on brian adams uh sos band you you name it uh, anita baker uh thelma houston like in our house, it was just good music. And then it went back to artists like Sam Cooke, uh, The Temptations. Like, I have such a rich mixture of music. And then to add to all the other cultures you're exposed to as well. Mm -hmm. um, in Toronto, it's, I'm, I'm a product of a very integrated and mixed and rich musical upbringing. So it's all there. I don't know whether you do, but <laughs> do you remember the first ever concert you attended and the impression that it made on you? Hmm. Don't think I remember the first concert. But if I if I was gonna say that actually I do remember. I'd say the first major concert would probably have been Michael Jackson. When the and, and the Jacksons when they came here. And that was an incredible experience. My dad got us tickets. I think we were like in section A, so we were right right up on the stage and looking up and I just he Michael left such an impression on me. And the amount of magic that he created on stage that I wanted to continue. I think that fueled me even more just by being an audience member and feeling what he did and feeling the feelings from what he did on stage. I wanted to do that even more, you know, so. Well, I think he really was famous for engaging the audience. Absolutely. They were, they were mesmerized. Absolutely. You, you could not go to a... Um, to a concert of his and be looking around or in your purse or checking your phone, you were completely his. Well, you know, it's funny. Which is, yeah. go uh -huh. ahead. No, no, go ahead. Be be because that's what you do too. I try. <laughs> I don't know if I'm, I'm nowhere near Michael, but I try to do my thing and, uh, and make people happy. That, that for me, when I get on stage, it's really about energy exchange. And um, I love to see people's faces smiling. I love to see them with their eyes closed, hands in the air, and singing every word. And when I, particularly when I go to the UK, it's insane. And it's a whole new generation of kids now that know the music, know the song word for word. And uh, I just feel really blessed. I mean, the songs, these songs are 20 years old, and they're still going. That's great music for you. Yeah. Let's digress for a moment. Sure. And tell us, how did Love, Inc. happen? Wow. Um, Love Inc. happened. Uh, I was with um, Chris Shepard. In a, actually, I'll, I'll take you even further back. Uh, I used to do a lot of session work. Um, so session work would, and demo work would be uh, producers or songwriters would have songs and they'd find a specific voice. You'd come in and demo it with your voice. So they have an idea and they could sell those songs to, I guess, major artists. So I used to do a lot of that on the Toronto scene. And I got a call from 
doing one of those sessions with a gentleman named Anthony Vandenberg who knew Chris Shepard and knew uh, Greg Cavanaugh and and they called me, uh, Greg Cavanaugh called me for a session. I had no idea what I was walking into, but got there. They explained his house music, uh, you know, Chris Shepard. And I said, oh, I know who Chris mm-hmm. Shepard is. I know what he does, you know, the music. But I, you know, it's not something I sang. And the first session literally was a song called Dreamcatcher. And you can you can hear it on the radio and you'll hear me. They'll be like, scream here, hold the note here, sing, do that. And I'm like, what? Because it wasn't a familiar genre to me. And that first track actually earned us a Juno Award nomination. And I was like, really? And it was, it. we did about three or four songs after that, and it hit the radio across Canada. It did well. We started going to billboard conferences in the U.S. Like, it, it just took off unexpectedly. And when Chris uh, decided to suddenly disband BKS, he came to me and he said, listen, I, I'm going to start a new group, and I would like you to be part of it, and I'd like you to be the voice of the group. And I was like, sure, because I'd, had such a great time doing uh, touring with them with BKS across Canada and whatnot, yeah. and I had no idea really the direction it was going to take. But when we when we got into it, it was more of a pop uh, sound mm-hmm. with uh, dance music influence influences, and uh, it was it was amazing. We just got into starting to write with Brad, and um, and it, it just took off. Like we had we knew it would do well, but you didn't realize how well. I had no idea. So. Many people just don't understand with a band that's doing so well. Uh, why did the band split up? Uh, you know what? It's a typical uh, rock and roll music story. You know, uh, different dynamics. People want different things uh, from the group. And, you know, it became money issues. It came, there was jealousy. There was a few different things going on. And for me, when I get up and I sing, I, I love positive energy. I'm not saying drama doesn't happen, you know, normally in our everyday lives. But I just, it just became too much for me. And it was just time to go. Now, you've had a little bit of a rough time of late mm-hmm. after the passing of your former bandmate. Yes. Um, Bradley Damon, who yes. was so special to you. He was. Brad was a an awesome individual Um, we had a lot of fun in studio writing um, a lot of fun on the road and he was more like like a brother to me on the road so we had a good time and eventually Brad left uh, well it was asked to leave the group and he went on to write with NSYNC and I was just really happy for him because he wrote with them at their peak of their popularity and did well and uh, we always kept in touch and it was just maybe over the last Six months, we were like, you know what, let's, let's do Talking about getting together Literally, again. and we were supposed to get together this month and next mo- or next month and start. And so when I heard he was ill and then suddenly passed away, it just, we were so excited. It just was really sad. Simone, you took an eight-year, almost eight-year hiatus yeah. from music. What yeah. was going on in your life at the time? Wow. A um, couple things. Um, the industry had changed. Um, economic climate just went on a free fall. And so clubs weren't hiring a lot of the divas, My, not just me, but all the divas included across the U.S. Every, everything just came to a standstill. And then uh, a family member, I mean, mom, um, had breast cancer. And then a few years after that, I had colon cancer. So it was just time to really acknowledge the red flag and take care of family and take care of myself and kind of get us back to health. You know, so 
and then another family member passed away as well. My dog died. It was it was insane. It was insane for a bit. It was just one person after the other getting sick, people passing away, and I was just like, I want to sing, but I don't want to sing. Does that make sense? Yes. But you're back now. I'm back now. You're back now. I'm back, yes. Um, why do you think it is that you can stroll through a mall in Canada and not have an autograph request? You may, but but there are days oh, when I you do. don't. Oh, I do. I've had that. No, no, you do. But, oh, do, but, I do. But not all the time. Oh, but And yet in other parts of the world, <laughs> you are literally stopped on every street corner in a crush of autograph seekers. What is that? You know what? I've had that time in Canada where I couldn't walk through the mall. I'd literally have to wait till I'm like, okay, it's quarter to nine. Let me run in and get what I got to get. This is before uh, online shopping. So I had to run in and do whatever errands really quickly and run out. I mean, there have been times where I took my mom with me. I was like, mom, you, you need to see it. She's like, no, that's not happening. I was like, come. I went, for example, body shop. Went into my face wash. Within three minutes, there was a mob outside the store. And somebody came in and they were just standing there watching me. And she's like, if you, if I didn't come here and see this, I would not have believed you. And I went, anywhere I went, I had no privacy. And honestly, I'm not about that. I love to just do my music on stage or do music on stage. Mm -hmm. And I like to just Because be you don't confuse who you are with no, what you I'm do. No, I'm always Simone. But Always. knowing you and listening to you sing, I actually resent the fact that you don't have the profile of a Diana Ross or a Cher, uh, and the list goes on. And yet, you don't seem to feel any resentment. No, like I said, because I've I've had that time. I mean, we did a campaign with Sears when I was with Love Inc. And this is a funny story. Um, and I took my sister back to school shopping, and we're in the store, and people kept walking by and staring, like staring at. At us and I'm like, okay, is my zipper down? Is something like, what's happening? Why are people, you know, looking at me like that? Couldn't figure it out until about ten minutes later, somebody looked at us and then looked up, and I went, oh my! We were literally standing under the banner with my face on it. Oh. We had come in from the behind <laughs> it, so we didn't see it, and I was like, I froze. Like it was like you put cold water down my back. I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And she started laughing and we're out of there because I'm, I'm just not about... Um, those you things are nice. I love to meet people and I love when people get yeah. excited to meet me, but it's not. it does not define who I am. No. And so I'm, I gladly stand up when I'm anywhere and sign autographs or chat with people until the last one is done um, because ultimately... Those are the people that make you who you are in terms of they keep your song going, their popularity. And when you do music, it's for the audience. It's for them, you know, so. But you're not only a, a, a great singer and a great showwoman, you're also uh, involved in a lot of charities you give back hugely to the community. You're also a very powerful role model for positive body image. Yeah, I try. Um, why is that important? That's important to me because I am a curvy woman. I'm a plus-size girl. I always have been. And there were times doing music that I was challenged on that. I was told when I was with Loving, at one point I was told, oh, you're not sexy, but we kept you. And I was like, what? You know, and it's funny because I had always grown up in an environment where I was always told I was beautiful. I was never, I never doubted it. It was never, and I'm saying that, I'm not saying that from an egotistic mm -hmm. um, point of view, but I never doubted my beauty or, or you know, my place in the world or, or it, it just didn't bother me. But I remember being at the Much Music Awards and Aqua was on stage and we were up for an award. 
And this young lady came out of nowhere. And I wish I had taken her name or exchanged uh, information with her. She came out of nowhere. It was in the dark. And she came up and she said, I just want to say to you, you look great. You represent for the big girls. Thank you so much. She said, your hair, your clothes. She said, you're always on point. I don't know where she is. I don't know what where happened she to came her. from, but where, whoever but you whoever are. she is and wherever she is, I thank you because that is something that stayed with me. And that is a statement at that moment that meant so much to me because I realized that there were people out there watching and appreciating, you know, what they saw. And to be honest, my fans really didn't care. No. My fans followed, they followed us from city to city. And they just came because they loved the music. They loved the energy. They loved the vibes they were getting. They didn't care. They didn't care. You know, so um, being, seeing the movement the way it is now, I'm, I mean, in whatever small part I contribute to that, mm-hmm. and it makes some women out there feel more comfortable about her body and, and more confident mm-hmm. in life, I'm good with it. I'm so proud of all the bloggers, and I'm so humbled and honored to know them and interact with them. These women are amazing. I just saw one of your TED Talks, and ah. I, I I just want to say, um, what is your message to young people Perhaps they're aspiring singers. Who knows? But to young people today. My message from the TED Talk, you can find it on YouTube, is, is do you. Honestly, uh, focus in. Go in as many directions as you can. And and because, as I said in the TED Talk, my journey was not a straight, is not a straight line. I'm still on the journey, and it's not a straight line. There's been ups and there's been downs. Other people can... Be an overnight success, and that's very rare. But what's important is that you don't close yourself off. If I had decided um, to just do R&B music, which is where I started, Mm -hmm. Love Inc. and dance music was something I had never envisioned or planned or even anticipated. Mm -hmm. And that is where my blessing was. That was my success. That is where things took off and went huge. It was because I was open to it. If you close yourself off, you lose so many opportunities, not just in music, but just meeting people, having great experiences. And the one thing in this life that I have learned is to be open. It, it is it is the one thing in life that has carried me through, whether it's health, whether it's music, whether it's relationships, be open. In closing, one final question. I could ask you 57 more, but <laughs> what, the final question, what is your favorite song of all time? Wow. If I stump you, I am going to clap. You have stumped me. I, I, there's so many different songs. I couldn't pick just one, honestly. There's not one particular one. I love music. And I, if you, anybody who drives with me right now, I tend, I'm in a, in a bit of a soca music phase. Yes. Um, so I'm playing a lot of it because it's really happy music. And yeah. it's a, it, I used to be part of, <clears throat> so I used to be part of the soca scene, like big time. And I have a tendency that when I'm doing, say I'm doing house music or rock or whatever, I always balance it with something else. And right now, uh, for the last maybe year or two, I've been back into Ahsoka a lot. And and reason being, it's happy music. It's a celebration of life. It's a celebration of your sexuality. It's a celebration of culture. And uh, if you listen to the lyrics, they're happy. And it's summer. It's a beautiful summer in the six, and I'm feeling that. But saying that, I love R&B music. I love funk. I love rock. I love house. Once it's good music, you'll you'll catch me listening to it. Well, just know that... 
both myself and all our listeners and many, many Canadians, and in fact, people around the world are going to be sitting, cheering you on for this next leg of the journey. Thank you. Simone Denny, legendary, iconic, with a heart of gold and a voice for the <laughs> angels. Thank you for joining oh, thank, us. Thank you for what having she me. Said, and we'll see you later. See you later. Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. We'll be right back. Meridian's three-year escalator GIC can help you save for a bucket list trip. In the first year, earn 2% interest. In the second, 3%. In the third, 4%. Those escalating savings could be the difference between this trip and this trip. Visit a branch or meridiancu.ca today to get started. Meridian, saving for a better life while living your best life. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. Take the Hill Street Challenge and go alcohol-free for 30 days. Because when you go alcohol-free, good things happen to your body. Better sleep, greater focus, and maybe even... Wow, my bass playing has gotten awesome. Right, honey? Yeah, whatever. Take the Hill Street Challenge and play sexy all night long. Learn more at hillstreetchallenge.com. This is 105.9 The Region. What she said, she's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. listening to is Priceless, the debut single by Toronto-based pop singer-songwriter Jenna Bennett, who joins us now in studio. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Now, Jenna actually used to be our intern a long time ago, Poor and thing. it's so great to see you <laughs> back. Now, you began playing the guitar eight years ago. Yes. You never looked back. Tell us about this song, your introduction into the world. Yeah, so, you know, for the last, I'm going to say, two, three years, I've done a lot of recording, a lot of writing, but I never really had that song that was 
really fully me. And so this song is a really perfect introduction to who I am as an artist. Now you recorded it in Atlanta? Atlanta, Georgia. With Harv. Yes. So who's worked with Justin Bieber? um, Seventh Streeter. Wow. Yeah. What was that like? It was amazing. Um, We met through mutual management and uh, he is a bass player. I mean, he plays almost every instrument, but just by nature, he plays bass. And uh, he toured with Justin for the Purpose Tour as his music director, um, but also produces on the side. And he's one of the most amazing people I've worked with. He's so creative and open-minded and just knowledgeable when it comes to music. And uh, yeah, it was it was easy working with Harv. Well, I, I remember, I, I guess it was last year you were chosen by Honey Jam yep. to do that. And then this year you placed second in the yeah. Toronto, uh, is it Imsta? I messed the festa. I messed up. I messed the festa. I messed the festa. I messed the festa. Yeah. Uh, that's a songwriting competition. Yeah. Um, I had entered in a couple years ago um, with a totally different song and, and I hadn't made the cut. And so really I took a break, I guess, the last couple of years. And I felt like with this song... I, I just felt like it was something special. So this year I decided to re-enter and actually play second, which was oh, like clearly mind-blowing. Mind so yeah. what's next? Uh, next, f- new music, first of all. So mm-hmm. after this release, definitely new music coming up. EP 2019. Um, I've always dreamed of touring, so that's definitely something that I hope to... Uh, do in 2019 as well so yeah that's what people oh and visuals to the to this song people can definitely expect a priceless music video Ooh, and who would you like to work with next so many people um but i would definitely say top two are keith urban and taylor swift Keith Urban. Keith Urban. I would not have picked up a guitar if it wasn't for him. Really? Really. That surprises yeah. me. Yeah. So those are my, my top two. Yeah, that's day. awesome. Well, I've been watching your yeah. videos on Instagram, and oh, they're amazing. You. They're yeah. really good. The yeah. train track one, I guess. Oh, yes. Yeah, that, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, now, you, where can people find the single online? Because we've got to tell them how to get it. Yeah, so you can follow me on all social medias, at uh, I am Jenna Bennett. That's double N, double T. Or you can just head to my website, jennabennettmusic.com, and all of the links will be there, Spotify. Apple Music, Deezer, everything. Well, thank you so much uh, for coming back in. We yeah, thank you for having hi. me. That is it for what she said today. We will be back again tomorrow at noon, right here on 105.9 The Region. But singing us out now in our live studio sessions. Here is Jenna Bennett performing "Priceless." you didn't would you admit it or would you forget it we've been to hell and back a thousand times I know you're tired but give me a moment to prove I'm worth it I'm at a point of no return before you walk out baby i'm sorry please believe me when i say i need you i put my pride aside i've been selfish and i don't want regrets so hear these words as they leave my lips your heart of gold my favorite piece of jewelry with diamond eyes you are
for me You're priceless and now I see No bit of air is ever worth breathing A million years I'll spend without my heart if I let you leave You're priceless and now I see My eyes are wide open I know that it took me a while But you've got my focus I won't give you up now Cause I'm at a point of no return Before you walk out Baby, I'm sorry the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favourite podcast app. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.